All right, welcome to a very special episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. This one is going to be kind of emotional, but honestly, I think is so, so important that we tackle early on in the launch of this podcast because we always said when we thought about this project, KJ and I said that we wanted to talk about things that matter, and this is one of those things. So today, we'll be talking to Christine who is a DC-based digital artist and a teacher who has experienced some, I'll be frank, very horrific and traumatic hate on the internet. And this is a topic that, while Christine's work isn't necessarily connected to food, is absolutely connected to food. And I have experienced similar things as a public foodie on the internet. But also what we're really talking about in this episode is misogyny, and still the battle that women are having in all sectors, right, to assert their, not only their equality, but their right to go their own way and to have their own voice. So without further introduction, we'll bring on Christine. I will offer a trigger warning. This might be difficult for some of you. There is a mention of sexual assault and as well as, you know, threatening, menacing messages and things of that nature. KJ and Christine, how are you? I'm doing well today. Thank you. How are you? Good. KJ, you with us? I'm here. I'm, I'm happy to be alive. I'm glad that we're all together and about to have a wonderful conversation. Yeah, well, you know, I had this idea last week after seeing some of Christine's stories on Instagram. And KJ and I had already had this conversation about we need to do an episode about hate on the internet, but also the vitriol and hatred that women in particular face on the internet, because we do believe that that is its own kind of beast. But before we hop into that, Christine, could you just introduce yourself quickly to people who may not be familiar with you? Sure. I live in DC. I am an art teacher, a middle school art teacher, and I um, do a lot of community work with my art and just trying to to support and give back how I can. I teach at a homeless status school, so my kids are mostly food insecure. Um, and so um, that's kind of part of where my like um, interest and passion in the community kind of stems from, is um, just from wanting to help them and then other kids and families that like them. So you're really, I, I have to say it, you're really doing the work at your day job. <laughs> and through your art. And if people want to check out your art, where can they find you online? Lid Flutters is, is kind of my my community. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm trying to get on TikTok. I, mean, I am on TikTok, but I'm trying to grow that. I'm on Twitter and, you know, but Instagram is my main social media account. So um, Lid Flutters, you can find me. Um, and yeah, see what I'm doing and um, see, I call myself an artivist, so like a, an activist, but with my art. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very apt description. And I always find that your art, you know, it's provocative. It makes me think and it always makes me stop and read, which, you know, as we're scrolling is sometimes not something that is natural to us. And so I do think that that, that means that you're, you're doing it well, right? It's making 
uh, stop in our tracks and be like, huh, let me think about this, either this joke, there's a lot of satire that you uh, share, which I think is is really interesting. And yeah, check her out. But your art has caused quite a few issues for you recently, correct? Correct. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. So I don't, I don't want you to rehash the entire experience, but if you could give us a really short overview of uh, your experience last week, which prompted this episode. Sure. So I've I've had um, I've been dealing with hate online for many months now because a lot of the things I post about would be, I guess, considered controversial to some. I speak a lot about politics. Um, I speak a lot about LGBTQIA. I speak a lot about Black Lives Matter. I speak about issues that I think are important, um, women's rights and, you know, things like that. And so for me, it's not controversial, but for people who don't agree with it, it is. And so I've been getting a lot of hate for a while. It got kind of out of control, yeah, like a week or so ago, because this guy, I don't know, do you want me to say his name? Let's not. Let's not give him any more. Okay. (laughs) We'll just just say he has a large-ish social media platform on Instagram, and he's a pro-life person. And so I had recently posted something about being pro-choice. And he found my account, I guess, probably through hashtags or something like that, and um, left a a comment, just, I guess, kind of inciting. And one of my followers commented back, and then I, like, clapped at her comment. So I didn't really even actually respond directly to him, but it was enough to to make him mad. And um, so he um, kind of cut and paste the comments in a way um, that would benefit, like, his narrative and posted it on his feed and tagged me and everything. And basically was like, I'm not really into this girl, like go for her guys, like to his followers. And they did. And so I ended up, um, it was like a kind of a coordinated attack on women is how I see it. Cause my follower, who's also a woman, they went after both of us. Um, me more just because I have a much larger following than her, but they went after both of us. She ended up having to go private and change her username and everything. But um, I was, I ended up having to block over 300 people in just a few hours, um, men and women, but mostly men um, who were telling me things from anywhere from like what would be considered, I guess, more like normal troll, like you're fat and you're ugly or you have a mental illness, like things that I was kind of used to getting um, or like, you know, no one would want to have your babies anyway, stuff like that. And then um, all the way up to um, I deserve to be raped and killed. And I had also recently shared a post where I spoke about my sexual assault um, and being raped and that experience. And so I guess they had read that And so they said I deserved, you know, in the past tense to be raped. And when it happened again, because they assume it would happen again, I would deserve it the next time also. Um, Also things like I don't need to consent because I'm not a human. I'm an animal, Um, you know, just a lot of things like that. And um, so it was coming in like too fast. Normally I, when things like that happen, when I get trolls and hate, I, um, I report I screenshot and I report and then I block mm-hmm. and I have a Google drive of two folders, actually one with like false information. Cause I get a lot of like anti-vaxxers and anti um, like QAnon, like stuff like that. So I have one folder for like false information and one for hate. And I, I have it all if Instagram or anyone else ever wants it, you know, 
But this was like coming in so fast that I couldn't even do that. I just was blocking, blocking, blocking. Um, and yeah, so that, and so then, well, so there's a second part of the story. I don't know. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, it's, I know that this happened already and it's still difficult to listen to. And I can tell by looking at KJ's face on the stream that he is also similarly affected, but I think it's important. I think it's important for people to hear, you know, the totality of it. Okay. Um, so, um, so this was Friday night. So last Friday, so I was going through this and I was talking about it on my stories. I was obviously, I know you saw that. Um, and so I ended up going private, um, and I had a, a business account. So in order, I didn't know this, but in order to go private, you have to have a, a personal account. And so, um, he went private because all my followers were like mass reporting him and I could not keep up with the, like, blocking people that telling me I should be raped. I couldn't keep up with it. So I went private, but to do so, I had to change my account to a personal account. So this is like an innocuous thing, but in doing so, I lost all my insights and all of that kind of stuff. It deletes everything. So that was something I kind of had to give up about my Instagram, you know, that history of like insights and, and tracking all of that, which I know, um, you probably have your account probably set to something similar. So that was a loss, but I took it. So um, the rest of the weekend, I was private, and I just kind of um, was hoping this would die down. I had obviously reported his post. It, you know, it was taken down and then immediately put back up. So then this week, um, well, Monday, I decided to go public again because I just feel like it was a control thing when when people act like this, that, you know, his, his point was to keep me in this like traumatic emotional headspace, right? That's what he wanted. He, he wanted all these people to go after me and I was going to delete my account or, or stay private or, you know, stop using my voice, you know, cause I'm scared. Like that's the goal, right? So Monday I went back public because I'm not about that. I'm not going to do that. And nothing, I just had my regular trolls this week, nothing from like him because my post was far enough down in my in his feed. So anyway, I had gone to my personal private Instagram account to go back and report him and block him again. And I noticed he had gone back public. So I started scrolling back through just to see if my post was still up. And it was. And he had also made a second post about me where before I had gone private, either him or someone of his followers had recorded my stories where I was talking about being harassed. And then he spliced them together, you know, and as you know, you probably watched them. There was many stories he mm -hmm. kind of again cherry picked ones that would fit his narrative and spliced them together and posted me and his feed. It's still up where I'm talking about being harassed. And I was like, that is like creepy to another level. You know, um, I also reported that like my face is now on his feed um, talking about being harassed. And I reported that also. And of course, Instagram says it's fine. So there's now two permanent posts up there about me. So just as a preventive measure, I went back to my lid flutters. I unblocked him briefly and I blocked every single person who had written in the comments on his page. Um, mm, they couldn't they couldn't um, comment on my page because at the time it was private when he posted this. So I post, I blocked an additional probably 250 people that hadn't come to my page or anything yet. I just did it just as a, in case, you know, 
So now I've probably blocked, what, 550 people or something, at least that came from his page. 300 or so of them actually attacking me, the other 250 just as like a preventive thing because they were attacking me in the comments on his post. So anyway, so then I blocked him again. Um, so he can't, they can, none of them can come over. I mean, he still has 25,000 followers. They can still find me. But in doing so, again, I noticed that he's also kind of, I guess, gotten bored of me um, and moved on to someone else and doing the same thing to someone else. So I've actually reached out to that person and I'm going to jump on a podcast with them to talk about our shared experience because they went after this person also. Um, so, and this is what he does. He, he, he finds people that he doesn't really agree with for whatever reason. Um, for me, it was pro-choice for the, the man that he's attacked since me. It was about Dante Wright. Um, and uh, he cherry picks comments and conversations and he posts them to his feed and he tells his followers, go for him, squat up, to use his words. That's what he says, let's squat up. And so it's, it's, a, it's a, a coordinated attack, basically. So anyway, the bigger issue is he just happened to pick me that day, but he's chosen other people to do this before and since. Um, and like I said, I think he's kind of forgotten about me. I've been public for a week or almost a week now, and I haven't really had any issues. So it's died down. Um, but it again, it's just the bigger issue that like this is a dangerous kind of environment, you know. First of all, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. And, you know, it's just like it's not OK, period. And there's so much in that story to unpack. First of all, I'm still struck by the very first thing you said that, well, normally you get like the quote unquote normal trolling. Let's start there because like, I think that for many people online, you know, they might sometimes argue with their family members. They might get into debates with their friends, but for a lot of people, trolling is actually not normal. And I don't think many users understand just the, the level of vitriol that quote unquote normal trolling has grown to that some of us encounter. And then what you experience goes far beyond that. So KJ, I'm going to ask you because I do think that gender plays a huge role in this. You're a man on the internet with a large platform, right? You have over 100,000 followers on your platforms. What kind of trolling do you experience on a regular basis? Oh, man. First of all, again, Christine, I, I am I mean, I'm almost apologetic like I did it. You know what I mean? But I don't get any of this. You know, I mean, when I say I get none of this, I mean, the worst I get is what about white food Wednesdays? You know, like you're racist for promoting black people food. What if I promoted white people's food? That's literally the extent of the trolling that I receive. And I've been on the internet as a public persona for a very long time. And so when I have these conversations with Anella and I'm just listening to you, Christine, and your story, it really blows my mind that there are people who are A, that evil, that hateful, B, that committed to that hate and evil, and C, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's mostly women who receive this type of treatment. Men have whether it's a subconscious respect or a fear of other men, right? Like, oh, KJ might be able to beat me up or whatever the case may be. But for y'all as women, and especially just hearing y'all tell your stories, that's why I'm quiet right now. Number one is nothing I can do, about you. well, nothing I can do for what it, 
has already happened. But number two, it just makes me even more conscious about leveraging my platform and being supportive in whatever way I can, not just for YouTube, because, you know, we're, we're having this conversation, but for all women on the Internet, this is insane. Yeah, I mean, and I will say that, right, it's not it's not just me and Christine. I think anyone on the Internet who challenges like the dominant, particularly heteronormative masculine view, you're going to get it right. And for for us as women, it's because we're outspoken and uh, we've built platforms for ourselves. And I do think that's part of the reason why people love to hit on quote unquote influencers so much is because it's a field dominated by women who many of whom have managed to make, you know, fame and fortune with just their laptops and their smarts. And people hate that. They can't abide by the idea that there is this growing industry where women seem to be outsmarting everyone else. But Christine, what's the quote unquote normal trolling that you receive? Let's talk about that part first. So, you know, I think it's interesting. This guy, this guy was different um, because he had such a large following. Normally people that troll me and the people that came from his page, I would call the normal trolls, quote unquote. Normally, and this is weird, they're young white kids in high school, young white boys in high school, 15, 16, 17 years old, or older white men. There's a few women sprinkled in, but for the most part, yeah, those are the demographics. Young, underage teenagers, white boys, and older white men, they generally have very, very small followings, you know, like 100 people Mm -hmm. or less. They generally have no posts or just a handful of posts. They usually have um, something about Christianity in their bios. Sometimes they're real contradicting. They'll have a quote about like, you know, love one another or something. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like their accounts would appear to exist like just to troll people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the old men is weird and creepy, but I guess I could understand that more because it's a different generation. You know, they grew up, they're more set in their ways, whatever. The high school kids, I'm like, this is weird. But anyway, so they, okay. So a normal troll usually goes for something physical. They usually don't like a a woman who trolls me, which again is very rare. They would usually just say something politically like, oh, like you don't like Trump. He's a rapist, but you know, you support Biden. He is too. Like something like that. That's like not really personal or really like offensive, you know, men, and the, the kids will go straight into like, you know, the you're fat and you're ugly and no one would want you anyway. And yeah, you know, I can't believe someone like you like takes up space and air, like stuff like that. Just for an example of what a normal troll would be. One time I had a guy, can I say a curse word? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, one time someone told me just casually, <laughs> Um, that I had a bloody gaping hole of a pussy that no man would ever want to touch and I should die in the streets. And I responded with a trash can emoji. I didn't even use words. I responded with a trash can emoji. And my comment was flagged and taken down and Instagram said that my account may be, may be deleted, but his, his comment met community guidelines. Yeah, so this is, this is I was hoping you would bring this up because this has been a huge issue for me and for so many of my friends who exist in this space 
is that if we move to defend ourselves at all, and I'm not saying defend ourselves by like sending our followers after someone, but but just like clapping back a little bit in the comments or in our stories, uh, we will get flagged and we'll start getting warnings, right? That we are not abiding by community guidelines. And I know that a lot of those flags are either somebody reported our comment, likely the person that we're clapping back at, or it's the AI, but you know, we've, and this is maybe taking it out for a really broad view, but all of this development of artificial intelligence and these technologies, there has been for years people talking about how basically when we're building machines, we are coding our own biases into these machines. And I think that we are starting to see that play out in the digital space with non-conforming voices being largely policed by a computer algorithm. And why is he allowed to say that to you and you can't reply with a trash can emoji? Right. I didn't. I mean, there were not even any words. It was literally a picture. And I wouldn't even consider that a clapback because I was like, man, there are so many more things I could say here, but I'm just going to leave it at that. And so, yeah, I mean, Instagram has told me, I think maybe three times now that they might delete my account and it's all for like innocuous things like that. And so now I feel and then I've had two stories taken down and they were both when I was talking about being harassed. Um, one was just recently when I was talking about being harassed just last week, um, one of my stories was taken down. And then um, earlier in like January or February, I had been harassed and I was talking about it and that was taken down. And then they had the trash can. So I don't even feel like I, so what I do now is um, if it's like really like heinous or you know, um, ignorant or something, I'll take a screenshot and put it in my stories. And I have enough like men that follow me that like support me and support what I'm doing. And they know, unfortunately it's, it's sad, but they know nothing is going to happen to them. So they'll clap back for me. So I'll like post the comment and then they'll like, Oh, I got you. And then they go to my post and they comment back and they clap Mm -hmm. back and they say things that I want to say, like, like where the fuck do you get off or blah, blah, whatever, you know, and they don't get in trouble. And I hate that I like have other people fighting my battles because that's not the type of person that I am. But I also know I can't say things because I'll get in trouble and they know they can because they're men. And so they kind of clap back for me, not every, all the time, but you know, when it's like really bad, which I hate, like, I don't want them to have to do that. And I'm not asking them to, they just feel compelled to, because they're like, this is so messed up, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't even defend myself. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. And I really have in the past year kind of just stopped talking about the trolling that I receive online. I do mention it sometimes, usually when I'm trying to encourage people to follow me on another platform, to get on my email list or to do these things. But Sometimes I feel like my audience really doesn't understand why I keep harping on them to like, if they really care about my work to come engage with me in a different space. And, you know, I haven't experienced what you experienced last week. And I hope, honestly, I never do. But I get it from all angles. Like, I get the, oh, you're a racist because I, you know, share so many Black-owned businesses. But then I get people who comment about my hair, my weight, my skin, my marriage. (laughs) And like repeatedly, I will get people who tell me uh, I got actually quite a bit of trolling from women, which I think has to do with the fact that 
sometimes my lifestyle seems a little bit non-traditional for a wife, right? I'm a wife, but I'm like very independent and I'm very outspoken and my husband does the dishes. And sometimes I will get a lot of just like trolling from women about our home life, which I think is really interesting and strange. But it's just some days it's nothing and some days it's so much that I just want to burn it all down. And so I've been really cognizant over the last year of trying to build platforms in spaces that I think are safer for me, but also because of your experience and my similar experiences kind of being policed by Instagram of just not sharing that much of it because I don't think that I could actually share the the totality of my experiences without Instagram taking my account down. Christine, yeah. I have a question for you. Sure. Given the nature of your artwork, have you resigned yourself to the fact that if you continue to use this platform, that this is what it's going to be, that every so often some super troll is going to come through and try to wreck your life? Or like what, what, what kind of concessions have you made mentally in terms of you doing the work that you want to do and, and making the art that you want to make and, and having to be a citizen of this Internet that we have? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, at this point, I just expect it. And, you know, someone pointed out the other day, and I don't know if this was their idea or they read it somewhere else, but they said that the new, like, trolls of the Internet are basically like the boys club, you know, like that we have in real life. But now it's like on the Internet and it's like boys club. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not necessarily just men, but it's that idea of this boys club, boys will be boys. And you're like, oh, it's just another troll. haha. But like. It's not. And like, I have thick skin and I'm strong, but I know that that like cyber bullying and everything is a real thing. I mean, I teach middle school. I've had kids that have tried to kill themselves because of cyber bullying. And so it's just, so I basically, yeah, I've resigned myself to, this is just how it's going to be if I'm going to keep, keep this up. And I'm not going to change what I'm doing because I believe in the messages that I'm putting out there and I believe in what I'm doing. So I'm not going to change. I probably will have my account deleted at some point. And if not, I'm going to continue to have to deal with these trolls. Yeah. um, Sometimes on a smaller scale, sometimes on a larger scale, I guess that was the largest scale of trolling I've ever received. But yeah, I, I think this is just how it is, which I hate to say that it sounds so like defeated, but I, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to change. So then as a follow up, where do you find your peace? Where does peace come from when these things happen? Because you have the right to be angry. You have the right to be angry. So let me ask it a different way. When you need to get your emotional outlets out, you know, where do you go to get to relieve this pressure, this stress that comes from you just being passionate and wanting to, you know, help others? I mean, a lot of ways. Um, honestly, a lot of it comes from making art. That's that has always been my creative outlet. I mean, I've been making art since I was five years old. Like I've always known I'm going to be an artist, like um, in some capacity. So that's like my safe place. So honestly, when they, they're kind of almost like fueling me um, inadvertently. Like I know they don't mean to, they mean to like shut me down, but really they're just like making me stronger. Cause I'm like, well, now I want to like make even more art and I like get more ideas. And I like, Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely like will have like a drink and hit a J and read a book or go on a bike ride or, you know, like I have like self take a bubble bath. I take I have self-care things like that. You know, of course, I have a really strong support system of friends and family. 
But honestly, most of it is it's my art. And so really, they're just making me more passionate about making art. It's definitely not their intention, but at least you have an outlet for it. I cook, but the meals that I cook when I feel like that are always horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, those are my ruined meals. The emotion goes into the food and and I'm like, nobody wants to eat this. As the man on this podcast, and, you know, I've never experienced anything you guys have experienced. And it's really just blowing my mind to hear how evil people can be towards women on the Internet. You guys are content creators. That's what you do. And so my question to both of you is, you know, you talked about how Instagram doesn't really step up for people like you who are receiving the trolling. And the trolls seem to get away with this repeatedly. And even your male friends who go to your defense, they don't get flagged. So where do you think the responsibility lies in terms of changing this internet culture that exists? Is it is it up to Facebook, Instagram, Googles of the world? Is it up to men like myself to step up on your behalf or some kind of combination or maybe an answer I'm not thinking of? Where do you think we go from here in order to stamp this kind of stuff out? I would say I don't think it's their job or responsibility or even within their realm of things they can do to stop it from happening. I think what they can do is once it happens and we report and we bring this to their attention, I think it's then their job to handle things. You can't stop someone from doing something, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. I don't under, I don't know if there's a way Instagram can, can prevent it. I don't think that's possible. But I think once it happens, they can be better about making sure it doesn't happen again to us or other people by restricting these people's accounts or kicking them off or, you know, giving them a, a, a temporary ban. And if they if they come back, you know, it's a permanent ban or something. I think that I, I don't I don't know if you agree, Anella, but I, I don't I'm not sure if there's anything they can do preventively but I think that they can do more once it happens and that's where they're lacking. Yeah, I mean, the enforcement issue is huge. And I would say that these mega platforms often lack customer service and that's just a result of their size, right? How many millions, hundreds of millions of users might report an issue at any one time? It's, it can be impossible to get a human to help you if you don't know someone who works at Facebook in particular, and it can feel impossible to get your issue resolved, especially when you're the target of this type of vitriol, because you send a report and it just kind of goes off into the ether. And often you'll just get this automated reply eventually that it doesn't go against community guidelines. And it's unclear whether there's even a human who has done that review or whether it was just a computer um, algorithm. As far as the responsibility, I'd say that it's shared, right? We are creating a a community online and community policing is a contested issue, but it is definitely the result, uh, the responsibility of institutions to take on that role. And it's also the responsibility of us as community members, which is why, you know, if I, if I see something happen with lid flutters, like I'm going to report, I'm going to try to get involved however I can, but it cannot be the sole responsibility of a disparate network of empathetic community members to police the internet. And I think in the United States in particular, we're really attached to the idea of free speech without limits. And I say that watching the current political debates that we have where 
the ideas that public figures shouldn't wantonly spread lies and untruths has seemed to gone out the window, right? Where it's very common on the internet now to see people scream about free speech when they feel like they're being quote unquote censored. But then if you look at their original content that was censored, it was blatantly untrue, it was bullying, it was harassment, et cetera. And I think we need to have a real conversation about what free speech means in an era where someone can post your photo and your, your address online, or in my case, you know, I got weird phone calls and I changed my phone number and um, I had multiple like access attempts on my email and my Instagram all at once. This all happened at once. And then my account got taken down three times in four days. And for me as a content creator, that affects my income, right? I had to push campaigns back. I had to change all of my passwords, all of my systems. I had to get a new phone number. Um, so what does that mean? What does free speech mean on the internet when somebody can just come for you, right? And I do think that there needs to be room for uh, fierce debate and there needs to be room for disagreement. But when it turns into a personal attack, I think we need to do a much better job of policing that kind of behavior. I'm still speechless, bro. I'm not going to lie. I think um, if I'm allowed an opinion on this, I, I would like to see the responsibility fall more so on dudes, right? I mean, just to be real, you can't expect the person who is being oppressed to also be the one that liberates them from their oppression, right? And while I'm not doing this, I don't spend my energy online being negative towards anyone, let alone particularly targeting women. I can definitely, um, you know, I think the responsibility lies on men because, A, we're the ones trolling y'all most of the time, right? It's mostly dudes yeah, saying, mostly. Yeah, saying the crazy stuff. So if dudes take the responsibility upon upon themselves to stop, or if your homeboys are doing it, checking your homeboy, then a lot of this, we won't need Instagram to step up or Facebook to step up. Because Facebook and Instagram are just institutions that are ran by regular people like you and me. And so if the regular people like me, mostly the dudes, um, you know, would take it upon themselves to do more, I think, you know, I, you know, I kind of even I'm sorry for even asking the question, because, again, you know, it supposes that you should have the answer for your oppression when you shouldn't. And then the answer is simple, like dudes just need to be better. Full stop. Yeah, I mean, and and maybe. You know, I, I'm always hesitant to make blanket statements because maybe the reason Christine and I receive so much hatred from men on the Internet is because we're women. Right. And I, I know that we are not the only ones experiencing this issue. It's activists in general, <laughs> you know, gender nonconforming folks. It is a whole host of identities that are marginalized, um, that maybe just don't occupy the dominant space. We all get it to some degree, but I do think that there is a particular strain of viciousness that can happen when you are an outspoken woman on the internet, especially in our in our society, right? We just lived through the era of uh, Trump's presidency, right? And so if you if you think about the the very high level public official discourse that was leveled at women during that era, it's not outside of the realm of possibility to think that that has also infected the internet space. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And also just to piggyback, I think um, a lot of it, like you had mentioned, like you're a wife, but you're not like a traditional wife or, you know, I think when people see us and we're not conforming to these like traditional like female roles, then they're like, wait a minute, that's not right. Like, you know, I've had men call me kitchen, a kitchen slave. I've had men um, tell me, well, you know, you bench press 300 pounds and become president. Like, you know, so there's, there's this idea that, you know, women are supposed to be seen and not heard. Right. And, you know, barefoot in the kitchen and this whole mentality or whatever. And when you don't do those things, I think people are kind of like thrown off and then they like are not really sure what to do with you because you're not this traditional woman and like you do cook which would fit i guess this traditional female role but you do it in a very untraditional way and so it probably throws people for a loop because they're like wait she's cooking but she's not doing it the way i want her to or you know and so i think a lot of it just comes down to this like misogynistic society we live in that also women you know feed into as well. Cause you know, women have also told me, you know, like, well, you, sh- you know, that's, you shouldn't talk about that. That's like a man's issue or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just so ingrained, I think these like gender roles. And then when you are not meeting them, I think that's when people are like, whoa, get back in your lane, you know? Yeah. And you bring up a very good point. I think that, you know, women feed into misogyny, but also to take it out more broadly, we all have our own biases, right? And we are all a product of this society. And so maybe some of us have done more work than others to unpack those kind of learnings that we maybe absorb throughout our childhood and through media and you know public education and all of these other factors that influence how we view the world. But no one is immune from these forces that are at play in our society. What we're asking for is that people stop and take a breath and approach us as humans before they, you know, take it anywhere else. That we remember that the people behind the screens are people just like us, and that we do have a shared common humanity, and that that should be the guiding principle in how we approach people, even if we disagree with them. Christine, thank you so much. Could you tell us once more how to find you if people want to support your art? Sure. I'm on Instagram. You can find me under Lid Flutters. You can actually just Google Lid Flutters and it'll come up. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I have an Etsy shop. Um, I got a whole bunch of stuff. So Lid Flutters is is my kind of creative online name. And for since this is, you know, an, an audio podcast, Lid Flutters like eyelid flutters. I always wondered where the name came from. Yeah, actually, it's an old boyfriend, old, old boyfriend wrote a poem about me that was like when he thinks about me, like his lids flutter, like it's it was cheesy. He knows that I'm using it. I don't know him anymore. But yeah, it's uh, it's L-I-D-F-L-U-T-T-E-R-S. Thank you. All in the show notes and make sure that people can find it. Thank you so much for talking with us again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me to be a part of this really important conversation. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Fix Your Plate, the podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. I am KJ Kearney. You can find me on all social media platforms by searching for Black Food Fridays. That's an S at the end of Fridays. My co-host is the lovely Anella Malik. You can find her 
at Feed the Malik on all social media platforms. And please, if you're listening, subscribe to our podcast, rate our podcast, and give us some comments because that's how other foodies can find the great conversations that we're having at Fix Your Plate.